We move swiftly along. Uh, Ten minutes it is now before 9 p.m. Uh, as I said before we went to that break, Svile, uh, all manner of things have been happening to all of you who bank uh, with that uh, light blue bank. Want to come through and maybe just uh, borrow some money from you? But uh, talking about money, uh, always, I guess, uh, trying on this particular platform to take a look at uh, some of the uh, big stories here that often uh, don't make it to the news wires. And uh, one of these that has uh, certainly piqued my attention is uh, the recently published amendments to the generic triple BE codes signed in on the 9th of April by former Minister Rob Davies. And uh, it seems that uh, there are certain things that are, I guess, uh, um, future facing for small and medium-sized enterprises that are certainly set to influence how the uh, Sixth Administration uh, deals with this particular matter of uh, transformation and uh, the role of small and medium-sized enterprises in that pursuit. I'm joined now in studio to discuss this uh, by SMME expert and founder at 2020 Insight, Karabo Mashukhane. Karabo, how are you, my brother? I'm good, man. Let me just, uh, let's fix that. Uh, Let's say that again. Let's take the Ah, wait, 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 wait. Let's do that again. Thanks for having Labona. me. Yes, okay, thank cool. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Karabo. Uh, always a pleasure, man, to have you in studio here. Let's maybe, I guess, uh, speak briefly here about uh, uh, the rationale behind these uh, or this particular set of amendments. Uh, what was the thinking uh, behind amending these? And, uh, of course, just uh, shy on a month before elections. Yeah, well, I mean, but it came out after the elections, so mm. uh, and and uh, I think interestingly, the 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 DTI had released the proposed amendments firstly around around I think April 2018 last year, so it took them quite a while to you know we were expecting the final ones to come out actually around December last year. Okay. Uh, so so I don't think the timing there with regards to the elections. Uh, I don't see anything sinister there or anything funny there. But uh, <clears throat> but yeah, I think importantly, I think there's a strong focus on skills as well as on uh, small business development. Yes. Uh, uh, you know, and also some clarification notes and et cetera. But uh, as, as far as small business uh, are concerned, I think we'd always said that there's a challenge that uh, the codes, the way they were structured, mm. almost encourage corporate companies to keep small businesses small. Yes. Because they benefited for as long as those businesses didn't, didn't grow beyond the turnover thresholds that are set, you know, mm. 10 million and, and 50 million. Uh, and as soon as those businesses uh, cross those thresholds and the, 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 the corporate suffered from a compliance perspective. So I think the BE, uh, the DTI has, has, uh, has done some work there to try and resolve that to an extent to give corporates at least five years. So if you are looking at growing a small black business and giving it good opportunities and supporting its development. Uh, as it grows for a five-year period, you can continue to enjoy uh, uh, full BE benefits from procurement and as well as getting your, your development support with them recognized. So I think that's a that's a positive step. And, uh, you know, critically, small businesses, everybody says small businesses are there to, uh, are the answer to job creation in the country. But uh, importantly, they only create jobs when they grow. And so mm. I think that recognition and that focus on growing small businesses and not just supporting subsistence businesses that never grow becomes very important. Mm. When we look at these amendments, and I guess uh, we take a look at them uh, at a, a, you know, with a fine tooth comb here, what are some of the ones that are notably or, or notable departures from, I guess, how the generic codes looked before? Uh, I think one of the one of the other key elements there is uh, in terms of skills development, 
that informal and workplace programs will only qualify for 25 percent i think there's been a, an added focus on on uh, bursaries to universities etc mm. which i think is good in terms of giving people bankable qualifications i sure. think it's good to do in-house training programs etc obviously for for a company uh, especially if those then uh, you know translate to moving the employees upward in the business but also in terms of empowering individuals i think it's it's, it's always better if they get their qualifications from outside institutions from universities from tvets that will be easily recognized across the board by other companies should mm. they look for jobs so there was uh, i think one one other positive one i think there was a re-emphasizing of the sub-minimum requirements again to say ownership uh, uh enterprise and supply development as well as skills mm. uh that that 40 percent sub-minimum you get discounted if you don't meet that which is which is i think also very important because it, it stops uh corporate or companies from cherry picking which elements they want to comply with and it forces them to comply with the ones that are really critical to to growth in the in the country as well as to to transforming the the business landscape. Yeah. I mean I'm quite interested here in the role uh, of uh, some of the verification agencies here for some of the mm-hmm. bigger entities who are either procuring from smaller entities or are providing some form of enterprise and supplier development support mm-hmm. to those entities and uh, they've certainly come under fire of late uh, for all manner of things and uh, certainly at least of all for uh, some sort of bad cooking of uh, some of the credentials here, much similar to uh, the uh, complicity of the auditors that we've seen in some of the corporate scandals that we have. Yeah. Uh, in these new amendments, what, what, what role does it continue to envisage for some of these verification agencies? And uh, if at all, does that have a material impact on some of the smaller guys? Well, I mean, the, the re-emphasis is that, you know, uh, uh, basically fronting, for example, is an offense. Mm. And, and also not reporting, uh, knowing that somebody has... Uh, submitted or, or used a fraudulent B certificate. If one finds it out, say a procurement manager or something, that those becomes offences that that uh, can you can basically be jailed for. I think those are key uh, sort of elements of the BE codes. Uh, and you know, interestingly, I think with the case that just came out with ESCOM, that uh, one of the verification agencies there was found to 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 have produced a, an invalid B certificate. And then the question becomes, okay, it's not just about the, you know, what happens to these, to, to the verification agencies, but the procurement people that accepted it. And I think because the tender was so large with ESCOM, mm. uh, <clears throat> with regards to this uh, company, Dongfeng, that you you also have then the board being potentially liable, et cetera, yeah. for, for, for some of the actions. So in terms of, uh, I think the far-reaching thing there is that, you know, BE and BE compliance, becomes everybody from the accounting officer to the board. It becomes almost their responsibility to familiarize themselves with the BE codes mm. and the intricacies of the BE codes and to ensure that their businesses uh, comply with the codes or that at least they apply uh, the elements of the codes consistently uh, in accordance to their to their internal policies. Mm. With these amendments, I mean, ca- can companies still come up and say, hey, man, this thing is, this thing is not law, this thing is voluntary and, uh, you know, if I'm not doing any work with government or, or doing any work that would require me to present a triple BE certificate like many business to cons- uh, consumer businesses in the B2C space, uh, who, who really think, I mean, this is a nice to have. It's not really a, a requirement in law. Uh, can they continue to say those things and uh, continue, I guess, to hide behind the fact that they don't do any government work uh, to shirk their transformation responsibilities? 
Uh, yes, I mean, I, I suppose that, that that's still the case. Uh, but I think importantly is that, you know, you don't have to be doing business directly with, with government. Mm. Because the companies that do business directly with government have to procure from BE compliant businesses. It almost has a, a, a you know, a downstream effect on, yeah. on all companies. Uh, a lot of the times you find that companies that do uh, retail businesses are the ones that say they don't have to comply with BE codes because... Uh, I think as we spoke about the last time I was here, that the consumer is not very active in terms of requiring BE compliance from, mm. from, from companies. And that's where I think that the, the key thing has to be. There's also a fine line, I think, between you know, a, a BE compliance and then introducing almost like something that will become a new tax. And I think once it becomes a compulsory, then it almost becomes mm. those contributions, et cetera, are, are going to be viewed as taxes essentially on businesses. So I think maybe there's a challenge there with regards to making it uh, compulsory for yeah. everybody. But state organs, are, are, it's, they, are, they are compelled to to, uh, to to, to, to work according to the BE codes. Okay, last one on my end, uh, Karabo, and I know you and I haven't spoken since uh, all of the reshuffles happened uh, in the economic cluster within the executive there in cabinet. Uh, now we know, of course, uh, the DTI and uh, the EDD coming together to form uh, this, uh, I guess, ministry here that uh, will be charged with some of these things as the DTI was uh, in its uh, previous iteration. What do you think are going to probably be the main priorities uh, from an enterprise development and a, a sort of a, uh, alongside, of course, the small business development agency when it comes to ensuring that some of these rotten apples in the corporate space who have uh, either been fronting or looking for arbitrage opportunities in the uh, transformation space. I actually not only brought a book, but uh, these entities begin to see transformation as a strategic imperative, not just as a compliance thing. Yeah, look, I mean, I think that, you know, the codes have been in place uh, uh, for a while now. Uh, and uh, essentially, you know, even with the BE Commission, I think there was always a complaint in the market that the BE Commission is, is almost toothless and is not doing much to enforce the codes. And I think we've started seeing it playing a more activist role. And I mean, if you look at, if you study the judgment that it passed against uh, ESCOM uh, on this transaction, it was quite far reaching. And I was actually surprised at how far they went in mm. terms of their recommendations, sure. etc. You know, so so I think the main thing is that, you know, uh, to, to if you can be seen to be enforcing the codes, then I think it forces everybody else to not want to get caught out. And mm. if they deal with a couple of verification agencies, etc., I think uh, we'll see compliance improving going forward, you know. Okay, we'll have to leave it there. Uh, unfortunately, we have run out of time and I can already see Sentle coming in and saying, hey, Bafo, go to Gangoku. Uh, that being said, big thank you, uh, Jaws, and big thank you to you, Kuma, as well, for putting together this great product. Have yourself a great evening. Take strength, Nina Bandona Benzaga, Nina Bandona Bumkuba, Matola Nyongande, Gulselana, Sesegulendo Nangoku, Yoko Ibanga, Le Economy.